athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You got it tuned in to the dopest show on radio. This is Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. It is Super Bowl weekend, and I, I got to tell you, you know, there was a time when Box to Row would do a live broadcast from Radio Row at the Super Bowl. As a matter of fact, we did it 2007, 2008, 2009, and of course, due to COVID, nobody's really doing live, but it's not as massive. Like Media Day, everything was really virtual, right, as opposed to the circus that is Media Day more specifically at the Super Bowl and we had a great time. Matter of fact, 2007 was in Miami. It was a historic Super Bowl as a matter of fact, the Colts and the Bears, the first time two black head coaches met on the gridiron as it related to the Super Bowl. And so got a lot, as a matter of fact, the first time I ever had a chance to talk with Leslie Frazier, he was an assistant. He was the assistant head coach to Tony Dungy. So I had a chance to talk with him. He ultimately went on to be the head coach of the Vikings and Alcorn State graduate. As a matter of fact, covered extensively that week. Robert Mathis, uh, Antoine Bethay, and Nick Harper, all HBCU guys that uh, that were playing for the Colts. And then there was a, oh, the gentleman, his young man's name escapes me. He was actually playing for the Bears, and he was an Arkansas Pine Bluff grad. And I, I had a, didn't, I think I had a chance to maybe talk with him at one of the media veils uh, in person. That was 07, 08. I didn't go. I had another person go. It was actually the birth of my uh, daughter, so I had to be here, but had another uh, gentleman go out and do the live broadcast from Radio Row. Then 2009, as a matter of fact, you talk about Tampa. Big shots out to our affiliate in Tampa, WURK FM 96.3. He's been carrying the show for about, you know, what, six or seven years now. Um, but we were in Tampa, uh, not only on Radio Row. We had a great time. Matter of fact, Domin had a chance to talk with gymnast Dominique Dawes. And as we were talking with her, Michael Irvin came in and for an impromptu, so it was like really cool. Of course, Jared Bell of USA Today, Bill Roden. I mean, I got the chance to talk with a lot of people, but not only that, got to cover the game itself, the Steelers and the Cardinals, and I'll never forget it. It was a great football game. It was way up in the nosebleed seats, but it was phenomenal. And then, of course, had access to the locker rooms and such after the game. Well, after that, for whatever reason, the National Football League started acting kind of funny, denying our credential requests uh, at first saying that you couldn't apply for a credential 
as a company, you had to apply under a radio station, which made no sense because the previous the, the previous three years we applied under the company DW Communications. You always hear me say um, when the show ends, the show is presented by DW Communications. Well, we applied, you know, that way. And we'd always done it that way. And then after talking with the league and getting trying to get some people to help, they you know, backtracked a little bit and said, well, you, you know, you, 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 you were supposed to be covering the Panthers. Of course, we're here in North Carolina. And since you didn't go and pick up the goodness, it was just really a mess to the point I was really, I mean, it bothered me for so many years that we didn't even really do anything with the Super Bowl for years here on Box to Roll, because at, at the end of the day, why should we carry the National Football League's water? I mean, they have everybody else that they want to invite. And by the way, uh, you know, when some of those networks uh, uh, go and do radio, really wouldn't even let us come to media day uh, on Tuesday. And you remember the year that th- there was a celebration with respect to HBCU players that played in the National Football League, uh, mostly the Hall of Famers, but then some other players as well. We weren't even credentialed to that. Uh, again, to the point, didn't even cover it. Let, let others do it. And by the way, they're, are many other companies, uh, I'm not going to call their names, but you know the companies, they they don't apply under a station. They apply under their company, and maybe they have multiple stations. Well, of course, like we do, we have multiple radio stations across the country that carry box stores. Matter of fact, we got to introduce a new station today, an important market that we've been trying to get into for quite some time. So for, for many years, didn't do it. But listen, it is what it is. We do what we do. We have had, I think, a successful uh, in excess of 15-year run here on Box to Row. We've given you a lot of information, a lot of information as it relates to HBCUs, uh, a lot of information as it relates to just some of the interviews that we've had over the years. And so we're extremely proud of that. And uh, so that's what we choose to focus on. And guess what? Today, I am going to talk some Super Bowl here on the program. I've, I've been past that for a couple of years now. Let the National Football League do what the National Football League does or let the, let the league do, uh, do what it does. Uh, we're going to do what we do here on the program. So uh, with that also, you know, didn't have a chance last week to talk about the legendary John Chaney. John Chaney, of course, the head men's basketball coach at Temple for 24 years. Of those 24 years, in 23 of those years, Temple participated in some kind of postseason. But what's lesser known, he's a Naismith Hall of Famer, basketball Hall of Famer. What is lesser known about John Chaney is two things. A, he coached at Cheney State, HBCU Cheney State, and led the Wolves to the the NCAA Division II uh, Tournament National Championship in 1978. And the other thing, a graduate of Bethune-Cookman. So I want to remember John Cheney right now as he talked about his days as a student athlete at I remember so much about one of the signs on the chapel as we would enter Vespers every Sunday to hear this great woman who was 
one of the great women, black women in this country, worked for Franklin Delano Roosevelt, worked with Ralph Bunch, ambassador to the United Nations, and she was an ambassador as well. I remember so distinctly, as we would enter that chapel, there was a big sign that says, enter to learn the part to serve. That has never, ever left me. It's still with me even today. Enter to learn the part to serve. I think that that is, that is one of the great things about uh, Bethune-Cookman that I will always remember. And the year that uh, I graduated in 55 was the year that uh, they buried uh, Miss Mary McLeod Bethune uh, right there on our campus. If you're ever there, go and visit. She was outstanding, and I'm so happy that I had a chance to meet a great, great legend. And I was extremely honored to be able to talk to a great, great legend and to bring the interview to you. As a matter of fact, you can listen to the interview in its entirety on our website at BoxToRow.com. That's BoxToRow.com, that interview from July of 2013. Listen, a whole lot to get to on today's program. As I mentioned, going to talk a little Super Bowl here on the program, the matchup between the Bucks and the Chiefs. Should be a good game. Like, should be a really epic game. This should be an epic game. Very much looking forward to it. Um, I'm going to have, like I said, some thoughts on who I ultimately think is going to win this game. So we're going to talk a lot about that a little bit later on in the program you can join in on the conversation hit us up via twitter at box to row b-o-x-t-o-r-o-w or on facebook b-o-x the number two r-o-w or on my personal twitter uh, account at dware one at dware one or my personal instagram account at where donald thank you to all the great affiliates around the country that carry box to row i, I think about affiliates and as a matter of fact, uh, Super Bowl weekend in 2008, WGBN began carrying the program. And wouldn't you know it, that was what, in 2008? Some 13 years later, WGBN still carrying the program. Thank you to WGBN. And for those that listen to Botch to Row on WGBN, those that listen to us on Sirius XM, channels 141 and 142, and those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. I'm up against the break. National Signing Day was Wednesday, and I'm ranking the top 10 recruiting classes amongst the HBCU FCS programs. You don't want to miss that. Plus, some Bucks and Chiefs talk here on the program so sit back relax we're gonna have a lot of fun with it here on box to row and the program continues on the other side
missed any of our shows? How about our conversations with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment? Check out Box to Row podcast at BoxToRow.com or on Apple Podcasts. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. You hear the headlines. You know health insurance is a real mess right now. Premiums have skyrocketed, and in most cases, you're stuck with your plan until open enrollment. But there's a government rule that allows you to qualify for lower health insurance rates if your life has changed. That means if you've changed jobs, if you're having a child, if you're getting married, if you're getting divorced, even if you run a small business or you're self-employed, this law may qualify you to get lower health insurance rates. Call the health insurance hotline today. Learn how this 10-minute call can help you get lower health insurance rates. This is a free service to help consumers learn the laws to help them qualify for lower health insurance rates. So call right now to learn more. 800-605-1679. 800-605-1679. That's 800-605-1679. Paid for by GoHealth. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to row. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. It's time to talk some football recruiting, HBCU style. And if you want to join in on the conversation, you can do so via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W, I'm going to rank the top 10 recruiting classes. And right now, so what I'm going to tell you right now, I mean, it could change on next week when we post this to the BoxToRoad.com website. One of the reasons I hadn't seen Howard's class as of yet, I know that Southern was supposed to be adding more players to its class. Its mid-year class was at... Uh, at three, and they were supposed to be adding some more players. But as of as of right now, as I'm talking to you, uh, I have not seen those recruiting classes and some of the other ones. So I'm going to go with the information that I have right now. Let me tell you, this is the 14th or maybe the 14th year that we've ranked uh, the recruiting classes here on the program. Only HBCU Division One programs is what we rank. I give a lot more credence to high school players, uh, to JUCO players than I do to uh, FBS transfers. Although a lot of times there's a need and there's a big need. And sometimes if you have, you know, like a big time quarterback, like for instance, uh, what a fan was able to do last year in signing the kid 
uh, from Kansas State. It, that was a huge need for Florida A&M. But they, I mean, I didn't, I mean, I'm not going to factor it in anymore because it's still an FBS transfer. But what I will factor is the fact that it's a need, right? But I mean, you know, FAM just had a, you know, just a, a, a great recruiting class as a whole, right? So that's sort of how we do things. We, you know, look at recruiting boards, we read articles, um, and it's just, you know, it, it's a lot of work to try to do this. And um, you can agree or disagree uh, e- either way. But let's, let's, uh, this is how we're going to rock and roll with this thing. At number 10, I have Southern. Again, from what I've only, uh, and again, so let me back up. A lot of the classes are smaller this year. A lot of smaller classes. You don't have the big classes like we generally have. Obviously, COVID has um, thrown everything off whack because you still have 2020 classes, right, that those guys didn't even get to play in the spring. Some of them made, uh, well, I'm sorry, the fall of 2020. Some of them not even going to play in the spring of this year. So you're going to have a lot of guys, a lot of teams and programs that are not going to be able to sign a lot of guys and sign a lot of big guys. So you got to factor those things in. So Southern, again, to this point, three guys have signed. But, I mean, I like the junior college quarterback transfer in Kobe Dillon because if you listen to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast and we had Carlos Brown of the Carlos Brown Show who covers Southern said Ladarius Skelton is not guaranteed to be the starting quarterback for Southern. And, you know, this is a Juco kid, so Dylan could. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess he could. I mean, I guess he could ultimately play in the spring. Um, but, but again, he's had some uh, college experience on the Juco level. Out of high school, he was a three-star kid uh, coming out. And so we'll see how that rolls. Another uh, a key guy to look at is wide receiver Devin Ellison. Again, you look at Southern. Southern's the defending uh, SWAT Western Division champs. At number nine, I had Morgan State. I thought Morgan State actually did a good job with the class. Last year had a three-star quarterback um, out of uh, – uh, they had a three-star quarterback and running back. I think both were out of Michigan. And it sort of continued, like sneaky good. I think what Ty Wheat, Tyrone Wheatley did, he stayed uh, closer to home. I mean, I think of the 17 guys, like – uh, eight of them, something like that, were from the Baltimore area. Then you had two Washington kids, one from D.C., the other from Capitol Heights. So he stayed, and 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 actually three because you had uh, a kid, uh, Eric McEwen, uh, that's from Ashburn, Virginia. He's a uh, he's an offensive lineman. Uh, one of the offensive linemen they looked in the trenches, and one of the kids they got was Chance Moore's, a two-star kid um, out of River Rouge or River Rogue, Michigan, had an offer from Bowling Green. But the other guy that I really like that I think is going to be sneaky good uh, is is a young man by the name of Josh Graham. Um, you know, he's a kid out of Norcross, Georgia. In the Atlanta area played his ball at Norcross. This is a kid that's an athlete. He can maybe play a number of different positions. Um, you know, he had 11 offers, including from some FBS schools but he chose Morgan State over all of them so I had the Bears at number nine number eight Prairie View A&M really got into the trenches with three offensive linemen also signed a quarterback and a couple of wide receivers one of the offensive linemen is Luis 
Chavaria. He's a kid out of Episcopal High School in Houston. Three-star kid, had offers from the likes of Houston and SMU, Syracuse, UNLV, and Vanderbilt. And that's one of the things that Eric Dooley wants to do. Again, listen to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. You'll hear him talk about it. He mentioned that um, as well. Then also a quarterback, signed a three-star quarterback, which was big in Jordan Moore. He's from Lufkin High School and became the program's all-time leading passer. So that's another big-time um, signing. And by the way, I mentioned offensive linemen. Three, signed two other offensive linemen. Angel Lopez from Bandy, uh, Brandy's in San Antonio was a first-team all-district kid. Uh, and and then, they, of course, they got Morgan State transfer Allen uh, Jones, who has some college football experience. So I had Prairie View A&M at number eight. And number seven, I had Alabama A&M. Again, uh, an extremely small class, but a couple of big-time signings. You look, and again, listen to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast on our website at BoxToRow.com. Also, you can listen on Apple Podcasts as well as iHeartMedia.com. Big-time signing in quarterback C.J. Dixon. Now, you already got a big-time quarterback in a quill glass, so you figure that maybe – uh, this this Dixon kid, he was at one time an ESPN four-star kid, played at Grayson High School in Loganville, Georgia. Uh, this year, in, in 19, he was a four-star kid. This year, 20, 2020, uh, again, shortened season, a three-star kid. Pro quarterback, great size, 6'6", 220 pounds, those kind of quarterbacks, pro style that Connell Maynard likes, had offers from Alabama, Illinois, Arkansas, Baylor, Florida, Maryland, Ohio State, Georgia, and others signed with Alabama A&M. I think that's in part because of a quill. It's because of Connell Maynard. He's a great quarterback. Remember, Connell Maynard was a great quarterback in college at both Winston-Salem State and A&T. And then remember, won four uh, championships as a quarterback in the um, Arena League. We, we got to remember that as well. He's coached some great quarterbacks. And a quill glass is a top 20 National Football League prospect. So I'm sure C.J. Dixon's uh, ears perked up and ultimately committed to Alabama A&M. Another quarterback he signed in Caden McMullen. He's from Living Word Christian High School in O'Fallon, Missouri. He's a three-star quarterback, passed for close to 7,000 yards, 73 touchdowns, rushed for over 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns in three years had offers from Boise State and Missouri. That's going to be interesting because now you got two really good quarterbacks. If you're Connell Maynard, right, looking to the future, who's going to ultimately take the reins for the 2022 season? We'll see ultimately how it plays out. And number six, I had Bethune-Cookman. Now, Bethune-Cookman signed 20 guys for this year, or 20 student athletes for this year's class which is a big clash. You got to think about it. This is a year of COVID. Uh, and, and I think, you know, ultimately, I believe, you know, they have a lot of the guys that they've convinced, okay, big-time players, we need you to stay right now. You're gonna, you've are gonna, you missed 20. You're going to miss spring of 21. We'll get back rocking and rolling uh, in the swag in the fall of 2021. So you got to convince a lot of your big-time players to do that. But with that being said, there's going to ultimately be some guys that are going to say, listen, I can't miss 2020 football season because of COVID. I can't miss an opportunity to play in the spring also. So you're going to have some guys 
They ultimately leave the program. Maybe some of their bigger guys, big name guys from that 2019 season that still have eligibility left ultimately are going to stay. But I think this is going to be a different Bethune-Cookman team. They got to get ready for the SWAC. Now, to me, if I looked at the MEAC 2019 to before, MEAC top to bottom better than the SWAC. 2021 comes around, <laughs> you lose Florida a and Bethune and a and and Bethune and Florida A&M, who Florida A&M, if, you, if you're coming into this season, not right now, but I would have said coming into the 2020 season, Florida A&M would have been in your number one team. Bethune and Florida A&M going to the SWAC. I think you got to say that the balance of power is going to belong. I mean, we'll see, right? But, I mean, preseason, right? You, you, you would think, at least, and with all the other teams already in the SWAC, you would, I, I would venture to say that, uh, the SWAC was better from top to bottom coming into that 2021 season. Anyway, with Bethune, 11 of their players, of the 20 players, are from the state of Florida. One of the guys they went out and got, I, I, again, Division One transfer, uh, he's going to help the program right away. Man, I don't give, I don't give the credence as much because it's a Division One transfer opposed to helping right away. Is this quarterback Patrick Shannon, if you remember that name, played at Arkansas Pine Bluff in 2019 where he had some success through for over 2,000 yards. They, another transfer, uh, Cleotis uh, England. It's a transfer from Ohio. Again, you're talking about guys that are going to come in and help right away. Then you look at some of the uh, uh, Juco guys, a linebacker. Uh, Kashawn Blackman's a transfer from Mississippi Delta Community College played in two, uh, in 2019 at 33 tackles, 10 and a half for loss. Again, has some college football experience. Another Juco kid, defensive tackle, Reginald Pearson, 6'1", 325, big kid, college experience, a three-star Juco kid uh, who played at Georgia Military Academy. Another Juco transfer, linebacker, Devin Ruffin Jr., from Iowa Western Juco, was a former three-star kid at Lutheran High School uh, in St. Louis. So you get some of those guys that are Juco transfers, that are FBS, FCS transfers that can come in and help you right away. Then you get a high school kid. Cameron Bells from Rickards in the Tallahassee, Florida, had an, a defensive back, had an offer from Southern Miss and South Alabama. You look at a cornerback in Malik Frank, also of Rickards, a three-star kid, had several FBS offers. And you look at another corner from uh, Sandalwood in Jacksonville, Florida, three-star recruit in Robert Simmons, who had 18 FBS offers from the likes of Arkansas, NC State, Tennessee, Oregon, Liberty, chose ultimately. Taking a look at classes one through five a little bit later on in the program, up next, talking National Football League. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, it's really focused. It's really, you know, excited. He's Chadwick Bozeman, and he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. You are, in fact, a graduate. What do you remember 
most about your days at Howard? Howard is like one of those experiences where <laughs> you know it's a it's a bubble. You know it's a it's a special moment. Like I had some great teachers. Felicia Rashad was one of my teachers. You know, I just remember being nurtured to respect black writers, black directors, black actors, as well as the classics. So you got the full scope of what you should experience. And I think that's unique to Howard. I just love the fact that they respected the full scope of it. Kiki Palmer joining us here on the program. I, I've grown in a lot of different ways. I think I've definitely grown as far as my age progression. And that shows that I've literally grown, I guess, on screen. And people have seen me from, you know, a young kid to coming of age into an adult. And I feel like slowly but surely they're not taking that Akilah memory out their head, but realizing Akilah also has, you know, has grown up. I don't ever want to typecast it as just the weed hosting girl. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college in Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun, you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That's the voice, of course, of T.I. It's some hard times down in the ATL, though, T.I. Yeah, and that is understood. It wouldn't be the first. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first, nor the worst. But, you know, you got to stay down with the home team, though. You know? No, nah, no question. I'm, I'm still, I'm still down with the skins, man. What can I say? They're, they're not doing too well right now. Well, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? We gotta, hey, 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 look, man, we gotta, we gotta hold it down so we can, so we can get it back right again. <laughs> that is the voice of Maria Taylor, ESPN College Sports Analyst. College Game Day is a show that I grew up watching, a, a show that I've always loved. I knew that when I was uh, able to join, I was more than excited. I found out the same week as I turned thirty. And it's just something that I never dreamed I would be a part of, but something that I'm so thankful to have under my belt to have done for an entire season. There's nothing like it, honestly. Hello, I'm Josh Stone, and I'm here chatting to Donald on Thunder Press Box to Press Roll. Kimber Walker. A lot more poised now. You know, um, the game is slowed down, so you know, I kind of know what to expect. You know, I've been watching a lot of film on uh, offense and, you know, what plays I can make. You know, I'm just trying to make the best plays possible. When I draw a second defender to me, um, I know my job is done. I'm just trying my best to find the open guy. You know, the difference is guys are making shots. That's been the biggest difference. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. And, I mean, I played high school basketball, but... At one point, my career kind of rounded off because I got injured and I wasn't getting as much playing time, so I became impatient. I went to school first, starting off with general studies. Then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. I got into the school of business, and it was definitely a great learning experience for me. She's regarded as the best gymnast in the world. She's Simone Biles, the ESPN Swimsuit Edition. Actually, really fun. Like, to be honest, me and Allie had a lot of fun. We were like, oh, of course, I've run the best shape of our lives. We're feeling confident about our body and we hope that other young girls and women like feel that being strong is so beautiful. So that's what we kind of try to do. Mine was just like beauty, but also showing muscles. Like I feel like when little girls look at that, they'll think it's okay to have muscles and be beautiful and like sexy at the same time in a good manner. And I think that's what we got across, hopefully. It was great. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm-hmm. All, all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So 
I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me, Clay, in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Snoop, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown to Division One. WWE champion Alexa Blish. How does one go from being a cheerleader as you were at the Division One level at Akron to being the WWE champion? <laughs> well, uh, after I cheered in Akron, my uh, trainer had told me that WWE was having a tryout, so and they knew I was a fan. So I went online and I submitted a video to WWE.com. Um, I didn't think anything would come of it, but then I was called and given a tryout. And then after I tried out, I was signed to NXT, and it just kind of became a roller coaster from there. We're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice. What do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley State? What is going on at Mississippi Valley State? University. <laughs> Why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers? And that brought awareness to the school. And after that, I got drafted to the San Francisco 49ers. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real, relevant radio. The culmination of the 2020 football season comes down to Sunday in Tampa as the Buccaneers and the Chiefs are going to face off in the Super Bowl. And this should be a real, I mean, you look for a dream matchup and when Brady signed with the Buccaneers, I think the talk was Buccaneers to the Super Bowl, or this could be the first time that we see a team host the Super Bowl. Now, it's not the same thing. Obviously, it's it's more of a neutral site feel, but the advantage for the Buccaneers is guess what? And, and I don't know that it's really – I mean, I, I, it actually is a disadvantage because you're at home – maybe with family and so forth. I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm assuming that the Buccaneers would be a little bit secluded from the family, uh, but really you're down there for a couple of weeks or really a week and a half anyway, so you get acclimated to whatever city you would be in anyway. So I'm, I guess I'm more speaking about the Chiefs uh, in this scenario. But beginning of the season, Buccaneers, a lot of talk about, the Buccaneers going to the Super Bowl. Tom Brady's coming in. You've got a better, you've upgraded at quarterback. Your receivers are very, very good. You add Antonio Brown. By the way, you add Gronk. You know, by the way, you up, you know, you you, you got a two running back system also, by the way. And then that defense is pretty, pretty, pretty good. It's actually pretty good for the Buccaneers. They started out slow. Then sort of an up-and-down trajectory, but that second half of the season, the Buccaneers really came to life and have been rolling pretty much in the playoffs. Meanwhile, you look at the Chiefs. Hey, Chiefs Super Bowl defending champions, Patrick Mahomes, the best young quarterback in the league, perhaps the best quarterback in the league. You know, Aaron Rodgers had a tremendous season. As a matter of fact, Aaron Rodgers should win MVP this year. But you look at the Chiefs 
I mean, they add weapons. I mean, they already have, you have a, you know, a Tyreek Hill, you have a Travis Kelsey, you know, Sammy Watkins has been injured. He may play this weekend. So it's really, the Chiefs have everything you could want offensively. Uh, Good running game, good offensive line, although I know they lose the left tackle to injury. But still, I mean, the Chiefs are tremendous. I think the question mark for the Chiefs was on the defensive end. Now, I think what the Patriots and Bill Belichick showed in that early season game is that you can slow the Chiefs' offense down. Remember, the Chiefs had only scored like nine points up into the fourth quarter, and then they they just went on an outburst in the fourth quarter. And obviously, New England just didn't have the firepower to keep up with the Chiefs. The, the, New England was very bad offensively. That's not the case uh, with the Buccaneers. So you look at the Chiefs, I mean, and, and really, if you look at the Chiefs, the second half of the season, a lot of teams hung with the Chiefs. I mean, the Panthers had an opportunity to defeat the Chiefs, okay? Not, a, I mean, listen, Buffalo, I mean, that, that you know, Buffalo had its opportunities uh, in the playoffs, right? So it wasn't like the Chiefs were blowing everybody away. Chiefs were doing enough defensively and then you know Patrick Mahomes was just absolutely splendid as he always is so that's how we've gotten to this point now let's look at the matchup when I look at the Buccaneers I think what a lot of people aren't talking about with respect to the Buccaneers is that Todd Bowles coach defense that defense is really really good the Russians are good you look at uh, Pierre Paul He's definitely getting it done. You look at the young linebacker, he's good. I mean, I think if if anything would be a question mark for the Buccaneers would be in the secondary. The secondary can be susceptible to getting passed upon, and I think you saw that with Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers is obviously a great quarterback, but this Buccaneers defensive secondary is facing another great quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. So that but still, overall the defense for the Buccaneers, I think, is 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 it's it's good. And I think a lot of people know it's good. We're just not talking about it enough. And it's really, really good. O- offensively, I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> Tom Brady has everything he could possibly need. A running game, good offensive line, uh, probably more weapons. He's not probably, he's got more weapons on offense than does Patrick Mahomes. So you look at that, you look at it from an offensive perspective. I mean, Brady's throwing the ball at an unbelievable level. I mean, listen, Tampa Bay is really, really good. When I look at Kansas City, you know, offensively, what what can you say? You know, I mentioned it. Kelsey, Hill, you've got a you've got a running game, you know, you've got a good offensive line. And then you have Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is special. That's sort of the difference, I think. Even though Tampa has what Tampa has, I think Tampa has more weapons. I think it has a better running game overall. But what Kansas City has is Patrick Mahomes, and Mahomes is special. He's a special player, and that's really the difference when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs from an offensive perspective, comparing the Chiefs, to the uh to of course the offense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
the Chiefs defense is, I mean, it's 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 good, right? Like it's solid. I mean, Tyron Matthew is really, really good. I mean, they've got some players there. That secondary is pretty good. Um, but it's not Tampa good. And so I think that's going to be a cause of concern for Kansas City in trying to win this football game. But I think overall, when you look at this, I mean, I think it's going to be a high-scoring Super Bowl, uh, ultimately. A lot of points are going to be scored because, again, you look at Tampa Bay's defense, it's solid. But Green Bay was able to put some points up against that defense. I think the difference was where Tampa Bay kind of clamped down. I think what Tampa does is they've got good players, but it's also the scheme. Like the the scheme that Todd Bowles has is tremendous. I think that you're good. I think that's where missing the left tackle for Kansas City is going to be key because when you're facing a Todd Bowles schemed defense, he doesn't always blitz, but he always knows when to blitz. He blitzes at the right times. And that I think is going to be key for Tampa in this ball game. When to blitz. I mean, obviously it's going to be incumbent upon Pierre Paul and that defense to really put some pressure on uh, on Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, you can't allow for him to sit back in the pocket and do his thing. But the thing about Mahomes is he can also escape out of the pocket. He's sort of an underrated runner because he's such a great passer and such a special player that he's underrated as a runner. Like he's not a runner, but he can run, but then he can also get out of the pocket and throw on the run. So that's something that Tampa has to be leery of. And the thing about it, that's why it's important that Tampa know when to blitz at the right time. That's going to be the key because you can blitz, but you know, Mahomes and I know he's, he's got the, he's got the foot injury. Um, you know, he's, he's not a hundred percent from that. He's, you know, he's much better than he was a couple of weeks ago when he was coming off of that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, from from the game prior to the AFC Championship game, but, I mean, he's he's going to be good there. And he's, he's very underrated when it comes to uh, being able to, uh, if you have to run for some yards. I mean, we saw that in the AFC Championship game on last year. So this is what it boils down to. Can the Tampa Bay defense – put the right amount of pressure at the right time against a Patrick Mahomes. I think if you go tit for tat, if you want to go a, a you know tit for tat on these offenses, um, while I think that Brady has more weapons, again, Mahomes is special, and I think that's where and Tyreek Hill, I mean, I mean Tyreek Hill is I mean Tyreek Hill is unbelievable. I think I think overall weapons wise you give that to Tampa. But I think if you had to point out one weapon and who was the best weapon from both teams, you have to look at Tyreek Hill, uh, in my opinion. So can Tampa put the right amount of pressure at the right time on Mahomes, make him uncomfortable, uh, even uncomfortable on the run throwing the football? I mean, I think that's going to be the key. And, you know, when you look at Tampa offensively, they've got, you know, they got a lot of weapons. I mean, they can score a bunch of points. I mean, we haven't really seen the tight end position, and more specifically, Gronk used by Tampa. I think ultimately Kansas City wins this game. I think Kansas City is going to win the game 
by yeah, a touchdown, six six or seven points. I think ultimate, maybe eight points. It's going to be a touchdown with a two-point conversion or less. And when I say less, I mean somewhere between the six and eight-point range. I'm going to give it to Kansas City. I think ultimately it's going to be because of the, the, the factors that I mentioned. I just think when you look at Mahomes, he's special. You look at, even though these are two quarterbacks that have championship experience, you look at Tampa and you look at the, 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 the six Super Bowls that Tom Brady uh, has won. It's been, it's been a little while since he's won a Super Bowl. And you look at Mahomes, he's won a Super Bowl more recently. You know, I think, uh, you know, you look at this thing from an Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, uh standpoint. I just think that Kansas City has a little bit more offensively. And while we're going to see a high-scoring game, we're going to see Kansas City ultimately win this football game because they're going to make they're going to have they're going to make one more play or I should say the way that I see it Tampa is going to miss making one more play offensively that it needs to make and Kansas City is going to make the plays that it needs to make offensively to ultimately win this game. You look at Kansas City, I mean they rarely punt. Kansas City like rarely even punts the football. And I think ultimately Kansas City wins this uh, really matchup that is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, if you look at who's under more pressure to win, is it Brady? Is it, listen, I, neither one. Like they, I mean, neither one's under pressure, I and mean, it's no pressure on either one of them. I mean, you know, if you look at the window for Tom Brady, I mean, he's got a, a shorter window. He's under a two-year contract. So he's going to be back next year. They're going to have a, you know, the same weapons that he has this year but he's going to be one year older where you look at Mahomes. I mean, really, Mahomes not even in his prime right now. So, I mean, you know, I don't really see it as either of the quarterbacks has pressure. But, I mean, I think, you know, it's probably incumbent upon Brady more because he because he's older and he's going to have another year and he's going to be a year older uh, on the downside of his career. And he's really not even – it's not like he's playing poorly – I say downside, I don't mean like he's playing poorly. He's just on the older side, I guess, of his career. Your thoughts. Who do you think wins between KC and the Bucks? Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. We've got more of the program on the other side. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Let's get back to talking some HBCU football recruiting here. 
on Box to Row. Course had a chance to look at the or looking right now at the top 10 HBCU recruiting classes. We already looked at 10 through 6, and 5 through 1 were a little bit less difficult to pick. As I mentioned, I think because of COVID this year, you didn't have a lot of big signing classes, so you didn't have a lot of the huge, you know, you, you generally like Florida AM last year had what, like six or seven three-star kids. They had a great transfer quarterback that came from Kansas State, so you didn't have as much of that this year, but you still had some classes that had, you know, 17 or 20 kids, and you'll see here that a, a couple of those classes that had bigger classes were the ones that were ranked in the top five because they had a lot of a lot of kids that had stars by their names. And again, it's not like it's not all about the stars, but that's a lot of it is. And again, less credence given to transfers opposed to high school players and then JUCO transfers as well. I mean, you can go through the the portal, right? The NCAA portal, get guys and booster recruiting class. I don't look at it. I don't I don't do it that way. Um, and I think even less credence is given to guys that have the stars by their name high school-wise if they've played a couple of years of particularly major college football or even on the Division One level, whether it's FBS or FCS, has seen some significant playing time, then you're already a collegian. So the, the, what you did in high school really means a lot less. So at number five, I had Tennessee State had a, had a good class. Uh, Tennessee State signed, I'm trying to think, off the top of my head, maybe like maybe like uh, close to 20 players, something like that, but um, had another solid class. Tennessee State finished last year at number two. Um, a couple of their prize possessions, you look at a wide receiver like a Roscoe Gibson's, a three-star kid, played his high school ball at Edison in Miami, and we'll see. I mean, we'll see if, if he's able to have – more of an immediate impact because you got a got a guy like a, a you know you got to replace Chris Rowland who was all world last year, and, but you have some guys again that have already played college football, so they're more familiar with obviously college and what Rod Reed and his coaching staff is looking for. So if not this year, I mean Roscoe Gibson is a guy that has uh, is going to have some opportunity to get some burn. Definitely in the future, he had offers from uh, programs like Coastal and Syracuse. You look at uh, the Tigers signing and another quarterback. And if you've listened to our HBCU football daily podcast, Rod Reed mentioned he's got like a couple of quarterbacks right now vying uh, for that starting spot. Um, you look at, at quarterback uh, Tucker Pope out of Walker Valley High School in Tennessee was ranked the 34th best quarterback in Tennessee so that should make you know going into the 21 season at least uh, make the quarterback competition uh, a little bit better you, you, you talk about offensive lines Tennessee State uh, has one of the better offensive line coaches and produces National Football League offensive linemen not only in HBCUs but really specifically FCS and then college football as a whole they go out and get a transfer from Vanderbilt Sean McMoore, who played in 18 games at Vanderbilt over three years. So you can see that experience, and that should be a guy uh, that can come in and help 
Tennessee State right away. I mentioned one quarterback. Um, they got a transfer quarterback in, uh, from Marshall in Isaiah Green. He's a two-year starter. So, again, you know, that quarterback room is full, and this is a guy they probably are looking for to come in and help right away. Again, four, uh, two years at Marshall, 13 games last year, completed 54% of his passes uh, in excess, almost 2,500 yards, 15 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, had 300 yards rushing and five touchdowns as well. Rod Reed got on the defensive end. Brennan Scott's a Juco transfer from uh, Kofisville Community College. Again, had some college football experience. Maybe someone that can compliment Nick Harper Jr., who's a box to row uh, preseason All-American, a defensive tackle in Sincere Littles from Riverview High School in uh, Riverview, Sarasota. High school two-star guy had some offers. Army, Coastal Carolina, Kansas, Louisville, Naval, and USF. So, I mean, he's got some guys, again, an offensive lineman, another one, uh, Gerard Russell from Riverdale High School in Murfreesboro. So he stayed home a little bit and did a good job. And number four, I had Grambling. And I think Grambling did a really good job. Like Grambling, I mentioned what, Tennessee State, maybe 20. Matter of fact, Tennessee State, they signed one more guy. They had signed 19 in the mid-year in December and then signed the one more guy uh, on on uh, on Wednesday on signing day. Grambling didn't have a lot of guys, but they made the most of the guys that they signed, okay? Um, how about on, on defense, a kid Jaden Hardy, he's from Islands High School in Savannah, three-star recruit, had offers from Baylor, Boston College, Auburn, Tennessee, and many others. I, I, I really was impressed with the quarterback. So Hickbottom's going to be the guy, right? And again, if you listen to the HBCU football daily podcast, uh, Broderick Fobbs talked about Hickbottom, you know, and his experience. But you got a guy coming in. Noah Biden, he's a three-star kid out of Christ the King in New York City. Had offers from Arizona State in Cincinnati, Georgia Tech, Oregon, Tennessee, uh, Virginia Tech, and could take the reins moving forward in the future. You talk about shoring up that offensive line, a kid, Rod Greens, the three-star recruit from Springfield High School in Ohio. You look at another offensive lineman, a transfer from Monroe Community College in Colin Gordon Green, again, has already had some football playing experience, right? Then you look at the defense, and they get a guy, a defensive back, who I think is a big signing in three-star recruit uh, from uh, Klein Collins High School in Spring, Texas. Donald Lee III had 14 offers and chose Grambling over Houston SMU and Washington State, to name a few. At number So three and two were tough. Three, I had Florida A&M. Um, you, you look at Willie Simmons, he signs uh, 20 guys. I mean, he's got a bunch of three-star kids. Remember, we had them number one last year. He's got a tight end, Kareem Grant from St. Petersburg. He's a three-star kid, had some offers from some of the, you know, like uh, Mac schools, uh, Kent State, Marshall, Bowling Green, even FIU. You know, he's got a cornerback in Winsome Fraser, who I'm very excited about, a three-star kid from Miami of Northwestern, 11 offers chose Florida A&M over Maryland, Illinois, Iowa State, Nebraska, Pitt, and UCF. You know, he gets a transfer kid in defensive end in uh, Stephon Atkinson, transferred in from Western Kentucky, only played in one in one game, but again, maybe has that that some of that experience on the FBS level, was a three-star recruit 
in 2019 when he was in high school. Uh, defensive back in Kendall Bowler is a transfer from Mercer. Redshirted was a former two-star recruit. He's got some guys. He shored up that offensive line. He went out and also got some transfer guys. Jordan White, uh, Jay Williams, who played at Florida State. Um, you know, he's got a couple of other three-star kids. So, really, you know, and they're not playing football in the spring. Going into 2021, it's going to have high-octane offense, a plethora of receivers, a big-time quarterback, and now shoring up that offensive line. He signed like four or five offensive linemen in this class. North Carolina A&T at number one. They had six three-star recruits and a two-star kid and a few uh, key transfers, 17 recruits. Uh, in all, you look at a guy like a Terrell Spicer from Northside High in Jacksonville, three-star kid, great size to play corner at 6'3". Uh, you look at a linebacker, Sam Ophiri. He's from IMG Academy in Salem. Uh, where he's, he played at, uh, he's, he's from Salem, Massachusetts. A three-star kid had offers from Michigan and Syracuse. You know, they want to shore up that offensive line, which is going to be solid looking to the future because you generally – Freshmen don't come in and play at A&T. Jonathan Cameron, he's from Vance in Charlotte, three-star kid, had a couple of offers. One of the guys I like, and anytime you can sign a three-star running back, you're doing something really good, Charlie Dixon from Callaway High School, three-star kid, had 10 offers, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Cincinnati, Louisville, to name a few. Now, this is a guy who goes 6'2", 230, Great size as a running back. They have him listed as a running back, but he's also a guy that can play linebacker. By the way, help lead Callaway to the state championship. That's just a couple of guys that they have. A couple of more three-star kids, but I'm running out of time. Number one in the class, you got to give it to Jackson State. But I'm going to tell you what. There's not a lot to me in this recruiting class the way that we do, or the way that I like to rank these recruiting classes between a Jackson State and an A&T in Florida A&M. Jackson State had a lot of transfers. And again, I mean, that's fine. But I mean, you know, I'm looking for those high school kids, those JUCO kids. And by the way, what really elevated Jackson State's class, anytime you can have a four-star quarterback, you're doing something really, really big. And um, not only did they get a four-star quarterback in Deion Sanders' son, uh, who's coming to play uh, for his father, Shador, a number 12-ranked quarterback in the country, number eight in Texas, had over 12,000 yards, almost 12,500 yards passing uh, in his career. But they also signed the number one JUCO kid, a four-star JUCO kid, uh, DeJon Warren, number one JUCO player in the country, turned down Georgia, Alabama, and Auburn to come to Jackson State. They had a, a bunch of three-star kids, high school kids that came in. But I must say this, one of the things that was out there was that Jackson State was the first HBCU to sign a four-star player right out of high school. That's not true. Tennessee State signed Travis Ward, the running back, who ended up getting a try, I think, in the league. He ultimately paid, got, he got shot and killed, as a matter of fact. I think it was in October. But Travis Ward was a four-star kid uh, coming out of Dillard in Florida that was a four-star kid signed right away with Tennessee State and had a good career. So I want to put that out there that that's not true. The first four-star kid, at least I've been doing this 14 years, maybe before 2005, there may have been another four-star kid. The four-star kid I remember, Travis Ward coming out of Tennessee State. 
your thoughts. You can see the entire list. Well, we'll have the entire list of the HBCU uh, top 10 recruiting class next week uh, on our website at BoxToRow.com. Got to get ready to run. Want to welcome our newest affiliate and those listening to us in Richmond and the Tri-Cities on ESPN Richmond. Thank you for making from the press box to press row a part of your day. Going to take you out on some skills. Of course, skills is from Richmond. This is how we're going to end the program. And always remember to support those that support Yo, from the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications. We got the neck breaking club shaking beat for this year. Yeah, so keep the steel low and the flow. I got your head nodding because your neck already knows.